Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to Bruce DeTorres on today's news talk radio, TNT. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to tell everybody about a recent post at markcrispinmiller.substack. Crispin, C-R-I-S-P-I-N, Mark Crispin Miller, essential source of commentary and review of current events, essential. This he posted December 2nd. Vaccination, in quotes, is the greatest evil in the history of humanity, as these new studies variously prove. This is a global holocaust. I'm just talking about this for a moment. And there is no denying it. So we can't let our free press or our governments ignore, belittle, or distort this overwhelming evidence. All these studies, he writes, are significant. But the first two here under New Zealand are especially important. So please share this compilation far and wide. So there, if you don't already follow or subscribe to markcrispinmiller.substack, check him out and do what appeals to you. My guest this hour is Scott Shira, a nationally recognized expert commentator on the global euthanasia agenda and the dangers of incentivized health care. He's also the father of Grace Shira, a 19-year-old with Down syndrome whom Scott says was killed by St. Elizabeth's Hospital Ascension Health. He has made hundreds of television, radio, and podcast appearances. He hosts his own show, Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, and his landmark lawsuit in the murder of his daughter, Scott Shira versus Ascension Health et al., is underway in Wisconsin Circuit Court. And we'll get an update about that. I may not have uh, been up to complete speed with the way I just phrased that. But thank you very much for joining me again, Scott. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Bruce. It's always good to see you. Thank you for the intro. Well, thank you uh, for your courage and for all you endured, the amazing transformation that you've gone through, which you've done for so many voiceless who've also suffered the loss of loved ones, but couldn't organize themselves or didn't have the ability to mount the kind of effort that you've been mounting. And I, I'd like you to set the stage with what happened to Grace and what you've learned and what you've done for truth and justice since then. And what is the state of your case against Ascension Health, please? Well, you know, Grace, just to start with, Grace was, was our world. She was my best buddy. Grace was 19 when she... Uh, was killed on October 13th of 2021. Uh, Grace had Down syndrome. She was extremely high functioning. Uh, she could drive a car. She deer hunted with me. Uh, she played violin. She could public speak. Uh, there's really nothing she couldn't do. And plus she had a fantastic sense of humor, which of course I missed more than, than everything else. Um, you know, the other thing I would say, Bruce, is her love uh, for our Lord was second to none. You know, she called me earthly dad. You know, who does that? You know, it's, it was it was special. 
So, you know, they took one of his and how they did that was, it was interesting. We took Grace to the hospital because we had been influenced by the COVID propaganda, unfortunately. And, you know, that is a major takeaway that I, I always start with because, you know, why were we influenced? You know, the propaganda was designed to use Satan's number one method to influence us, which is fear. And that fear, unfortunately, got to me. We were really prepared for COVID. Grace was on ivermectin, vitamins. And the only thing that happened on October 6th, the day we took her to the hospital, was that her oxygen dropped to 88%. And unfortunately, the propaganda had convinced me that that was an emergency. And, you know, what followed suit was Grace was dead a a week later. And what they did, if they would have only done, Bruce, what they said they're going to do, which was put Grace on oxygen and a steroid, Grace would be alive today. But they didn't do that. They did that at the beginning for the first day and a half. But by the the time October 10th came around, I was taken out by an armed guard. And as we looked at the records, we saw that on October 9th, they started her on a sedation med. By October 13th, when we turned the page into that day, because they could not convince us to give a pre-authorization for a ventilator, which was never necessary, they developed plan B, which was already, you know, obviously put in place before, before they developed it, which was um, the doctor called my wife and I convincing us that we should uh, put Grace on a feeding tube because she had such a good day the day before, which we knew because my daughter Jessica was now in the room as a replacement advocate, but he was lying to us. In fact, because we did not give them the pre-authorization for a ventilator, he had told us during the phone call that morning that we should get Grace out of bed. Well, before he even called, they had strapped Grace down to the bed. So why would he tell us that? And after we told him no to the ventilator request for the fifth time, he increased the dose of the sedation med, Presidex, to the maximum allowable dose. When he hung up the phone with us at 10.55, he proceeded to put a do not resuscitate order on Grace's chart at 10.56. And he did that because of the fact that the next piece of the plan was to combine Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. And when you do that, it kills the patient. That's what they do to patients in hospice care in their last hour of life. So to facilitate Grace's murder, after they combine those meds and we're begging the medical staff to save our daughter, they would not even come in the room. And in fact, they hollered back from outside the room with a guard present, she's DNR because the doctor had put the DNR order on Grace's chart. So we watched Grace die on a FaceTime call with our daughter, Jessica, at 727 on October 13th of 2021. So that's a very short version of what happened to Grace. And you know, you, you said, well, what's happened since then? Well, it's, it's quite an interesting road that God takes you on. And it, it started with my biblical obligation to talk with the doctor and the hospital CEO. And the reason is, is because when somebody commits a sin against you, you should lay out the charges against them. So at that point, I had gone through all of Grace's records with another doctor and we realized Grace was killed. So we assembled everything. I sent it to the patient relations department at Ascension Hospital System, St. Elizabeth, requesting a meeting with the CEO and the doctor. 
This was on November 8th. Grace died on October 13th. On December 2nd, they sent me an email saying, we're, we're not going to meet with you. So that was the first day I thought, what is going on here? And ultimately, that led to a Newsmax interview. It led to a complaint that I filed with the Department of Safety and Professional Services, which they did what they called an investigation and found the doctor and hospital did nothing wrong. So this was the first day now. Now we're in January of 22, Bruce, and I realized they're all in on this. Well, it took me to April in, to come to grips with that Grace was murdered. And once I realized she was murdered, then the investigation started as to why. Why is this happening? And I realized that we are under a genocide program worldwide that started with the United States in the beginning of the 1900s under the eugenics philosophy. And you know that research led me to uh, do a number of interviews with Vera Sherov, a Holocaust survivor, where we were comparing the Nazi Holocaust compared to the worldwide Holocaust that's going on today. Ultimately, it led to me developing a series on medical murder being the number one cause of death in the United States by design. And that series just finished up in October. And then in April, so back six months before the series finished up, we filed the first of its kind lawsuit during the COVID era against not just Ascension Hospital System, but the five doctors and two nurses who were directly involved with Grace's death. And I know you want to hear an update on that lawsuit, but you know, I, I was long-winded there. I want to make sure you have a chance to ask more questions before I get into the update on the lawsuit. Well, before you do an update on the lawsuit, teach me some of what you learned, and I bet you had your mind blown. It sounds like this was new to you. Uh, because you investigated how could this have happened to your daughter, give me a, a kind of a beginning, middle, and end to this this uh, this euthanasia, this eugenics euthanasia uh, agenda that goes back a hundred years, please. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's a lot. I, I do have a, a PowerPoint up on my other screen. So I'm going to refer to a couple of slides. So if I turn my head, that means I'm just referring to some slides that I have put together. The whole series is documented on Grace's main website, ouramazinggrace.net. And you'll see prominently on the left-hand side of the homepage, there's a tab that says medical murder is the number one cause of death in the United States by design. So that's where everybody can find this. It's, it's, it's intense. It's about 2,500 hours of research. What got it started, though, was when I realized Grace was murdered. So how did I come to grips with that? Well, in there is a, um, a number of people who God has put in my path that educated me as to what's going on. And one of them is a a pharmacist. And she told me, Scott, in order for that med combination to have been given to Grace, not only did the doctor have to order those meds, so the meds were Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine. If you look at the morphine package insert, Bruce, it says to not combine those meds because they can cause death. And if you do combine those meds, you're supposed to keep the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. So she's telling me that, okay, the doctor had to order those meds, which that's obvious. But then the pharmacist who would know better than anybody had to sign off on the order. And she specifically told me that she left the hospital that she was in because what they were doing, because she would not sign off on those orders, they would wait till her shift was done and get another pharmacist 
that would be taking over for her at shift change to sign off on these death protocol orders. Then what happens next is the alarm, the internal alarm, because those meds are contraindicated, had to be shut off. And then last but not least, the the nurse, whose name is Holly McGinnis, she has 14 years of ICU experience at St. Elizabeth's Hospital outside of her nursing experience and outside of her ICU experience at other hospitals. And she's the one who delivered those meds via Grace's IV. So when I saw that series of events, I saw, okay, she it's obvious she was murdered. This is not an accident. So the difference mm-hmm. between you know medical malpractice, which is what everybody wants to think happens in a hospital and murder is intent. And so when you see that sequence of events, you realize, okay, it has to be murder. Our case, by the way, is a civil case. It's not a murder case. The murder case, we presume, is going to follow the civil case, but we're, you know, we'll see where God leads us. But ultimately, once you come to grips with the murder took place, you okay, well, how did this happen? And in the investigation, Bruce, I found out that the Health and Human Services Secretary, this is relative to COVID, and I'm going to take this outside of COVID in a minute, but I'll introduce it with COVID because that's what got me into this. So the Health and Human Services Secretary implemented the public health emergency, and for a public health emergency to be implemented, Congress had approved that process decades before and turned over unilateral authority to the Health and Human Services Secretary. Well, once the public health emergency is in place, then the FDA can um, make emergency use authorizations um, and they effectively become law. And that's what happened with COVID. The FDA approved remdesivir, they improved ventilators, they improved toxilisumab, a number of situations that happened with COVID. By the way, they're still in play today. People don't realize that, but they are still in play today. And so those became the standards of care that the hospitals followed in order to get paid huge bonus money. So when I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, this was this was not uh, on this was on purpose. It was all set up decades before. And in fact, when I started studying the pandemic, I realized it wasn't a pandemic. It's a pandemic. And there's three distinct lanes to it. There's the virus lane, there's the bioweapon lane, and the medical murder lane. Of course, I'm in the medical murder lane. But as I studied the bioweapon lane, I saw, well, Brooke Jackson filed a lawsuit in January of 21 under the False Claims Act, exposing that Pfizer never even tested this supposed vaccine. And Pfizer's defense was a contract with the Department of Defense called an Other Authority Agreement that showed they didn't have to do any testing because it was never a vaccine. So I think, oh my gosh, they'd set up these hospital murders. The United States, Bruce, was number one on the planet with hospital murders in the 39-month COVID era, we had 1.2 million hospital murders. Out of all 200 countries of the planet, we're number one. And number two was India. India's population is four times that of the United States, yet their hospital murder cases were 531,000, less than half of the United States. So now the hospital murders were set up to get people to take the bioweapon, all with a lie that we have this virus. Well, the, you know, as I dug into that, that falsehood, you realize, oh my gosh, this whole thing was a psyop. And once I came to grips with that, it led to the bigger piece, which I'll go into next. But go ahead with any well, more questions, Scott, Bruce. Well, 
Yeah, what you, you just uh, described, one of the amazing revelations for all who really, really dig into this, unfortunately, you had to live it, is that they didn't clinically test what they call a vaccine because legally it's not a vaccine under the emergency declarations. It's a countermeasure, which is which allows them right. to just launch it out to us. With me is Scott Shira talking about his heartbreaking and yet call to to action in a sacred cause and for seeking justice for his daughter and spreading the word of truth to protect the rest of us. And here now is important information from TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there. And Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than 50 percent didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. since since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down. Thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt Council and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. This is World Staging with me is Scott Shira telling me about the the horrendous ordeal he his family endured with the murder of his daughter in a hospital. And thank you, Scott, for recounting. You have to be blessed to have the strength and the composure to tell your story over and over again. And it's nothing less than inspiring how you are 
transmuting what happened to Grace into something much bigger than her, much bigger than you, which is a great uh, door for those who want the truth to know what's going on. And it will contribute to the tsunami of awakening that many people do see happening. And, and maybe in our lifetimes, we'll see a transformation of good. Maybe it'll be a generation or two later, but it'll build on the work of people like you, Scott. Um, your thoughts about that or what's next in the narrative, my friend? Well, I I do need to make some or give some thoughts about what you just said. I mean, I do feel blessed, no question about it. I mean, um, God is um, he, he is a good God and you know, he has blessed me with a mind to be able to do this research and to be able to compartmentalize the story, to be able to tell it 800 times. And, um, but, you know, I still am a person and, you know, as a person, um, you know, you feel like you're not doing enough. You know, I, I'm out there because you just don't want your, anybody's to lose their best buddy no matter if they're your worst enemy or not. And, you know, in the last, in the last week, um, uh, the last six weeks, we lost two more Down syndrome people in Wisconsin, uh, one at the same hospital that Grace died at, and then one at Children's Hospital in Wisconsin. And, you know, so what's the reason that they're dead? Uh, it's because there's an agenda. And, you know, we have been programmed to trust that white coat. And, you know, the one I got intimately involved with, involved with in Appleton that lost his life at the same hospital as Grace, the mom was 84 years old and she was programmed. She just wanted to play nice. And unfortunately, you know, the sister who called me, she was awake. She knew what I was telling her was true. The, she couldn't override the mom who had power of attorney. And, you know, that's why I'm speaking out, Bruce. I mean, it, the most important thing somebody could do to save their life is to change their perspective. Because if your perspective is the hospitals and the doctors are still following the Hippocratic oath, it's not true. And if you believe that, you're going to lose your life. And the doctors and nurses have been programmed under the Rockefeller allopathic medicine model. And we'll go into that next because, you know, this is the broader picture. So this started in the beginning of the 1900s, the current eugenics movement. I mean, eugenics has been around since before Jesus walked the face of the earth. But the current eugenics movement started at the beginning of the 1900s with the United States developing a sterilization program. Ultimately, Adolf Hitler adopted the the research that the United States had already done. Of course, when Hitler uh, implemented his eugenics program, the United States does what we do so well, which was we point our finger at him and renounce his program. While at the same time, we take the top 1600 eugenicists through Operation Paperclip back to the United States. And what we're seeing today is what's happened in the, the last 70 years to perfect the eugenics program. And boy, you know, it's on steroids. And they they pulled off one big whopper to the country. And, you know, they're able to do this, Bruce, because they're organized. You know, there's only a few players who control all the media. 
you know, you think about TNT radio, my little podcast, things like that. We're scattered all over. We, you know, we get thousands of listeners, but we don't get millions of listeners that are all hitting the same drumbeat over and over and over. You know, we're we're scattered. And, you know, if we could get our each of our platforms organized and tell truth, we we would, I think, have a lot better chance. But you know, that not, I digress with not to not to contradict you, but just to inform you with great pride. Yes, I don't know what TNT's numbers are hour by hour, but we just announced that since we launched in early, or I think early to mid-2022, TNT Radio has had 10 million downloads of wow. uh, our broadcasts. So aren't we proud to be here today? <laughs> that is really, that is fantastic to hear. I'm, I'm, you know, the thing is, is there's, there's so many people sharing truth and it's fantastic. Uh, however, we're all, you know, we all are after the same market, but we're, you know, it's it's like you can't get it, you can't get it all together like the the cabal has done with mm. all the mainstream media sources that they have bought up. So, you know, anyway, you get to the point of coming to grips with, okay, this has all been by design. It's all eugenics. They've got everybody in on it. And I, I want to give a very pointed example of how they pulled this off when we go into the legal case. But then, you know, before we do that, I just want to say, how is this, how did they even do this? And hmm. I have my Bible open here, Bruce, and I, I just want to say that this started in the garden. Genesis 3, 6 says that, uh, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And so that became the tool that Satan used. So God, of course, is not against us um, obtaining knowledge. He says in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish for lack of knowledge, but knowledge has become an idol. And we have attempted to replace God. Mankind has attempted to replace God and use knowledge as that source. So then they fool us with lies, like vaccines save lives. And this whole vaccine agenda has been going on over a hundred years. And it has been a narrative that they have programmed over and over and over. So then we rely on the knowledge of the scientists versus the wisdom of God. And mm -hmm. ultimately that's how Satan has pulled off this antichrist system that has duped at least 70% of the population. So that's the big picture. And that is that is well worth going to your presentation on the site ouramazinggrace.net, right? That's Correct. where we can learn and, about right. the history of all that. Okay. I have all of that. What you know, I'm giving you kind of a real high level view of it, but all of that yeah. is documented on Grace's website. I do want to drill down this antichrist system so people understand how it applies. And I'll be I'm gonna be very specific because I've learned a, a on when we filed the lawsuit. And I'm going to go through a state statue right now. I'm from Wisconsin, mm -hmm. Bruce, you can tell because I don't have an accent. And uh, I'm going to talk about state statute 448.30 for a minute. So 448.30 is the informed consent statute in Wisconsin. Every state is going to have one of these. So you'd have to find it in your own state. So when you look at your state constitution, that's the highest level that we have. So in the state constitution, it says that we have a right to life. Okay, so then it also says that any law that is passed after the fact is an ex post facto law, which means it's illegal if it doesn't 
if it takes away the right that was given in the Constitution. So I'm here to tell you the informed consent law in Wisconsin is illegal. Why, why do I say it's illegal? Because it's not necessary. God gave us the informed consent law. It's called treat your neighbor as yourself. Bruce, if you were a doctor, you would want your patients to know everything that's going on with the treatment before they do it, right? Mm -hmm, you would mm -hmm. want to provide them the information. And then you would ask the patient, do you want to go forward with this or not? And I mm -hmm. recommend patient that you take time to think about it, pray about it, look at some alternative sources, and then I'd like to get your consent later on today or tomorrow if, if you're comfortable with that. That's informed consent. Okay, so that's common sense. All right, so now you look at the state statute and they lay out bullets that define informed consent. And they're all logical. There's nothing wrong with the bullets that they have. But they did that specifically to set up 448.40. And 0 .40 is the enforcement provision. So what would you think the enforcement of informed consent is? You would think that, okay, a doctor doesn't do his job of informed consent. He should have a consequence, like losing his license. Well, that's not what it is at all. The consequence is whoever is the person he violated has to file a complaint. And the complaint is heard by the medical examining board. And the medical examining board is made up of 10 doctors and three lay people. So this would be like the police officer giving his buddy police officer a ticket for speeding. It's not going to happen, right? So you got the fox guarding the hen house. So there's no enforcement of the lack of informed consent. This is huge. So this is how they pulled this off way before COVID. These state statutes have been in place since the 70s in Wisconsin. They set this up to put a wall around physicians. They call every single thing that a physician does medical malpractice. Medical malpractice then under a different state statute, 893, has a limitation of liability of $750,000. Then in state statute 655, it says that the doctors have to have medical malpractice insurance. When they get sued, all of their legal fees are covered by the insurance company and they pay an annual fee insurance premium to cover anything that would happen. So these guys have this wall around them and they can do nothing wrong because they have no consequences. In God's, right. in God's economy, the choice and consequence are part of that. The state statutes, the cabal, the antichrist legal system have taken away consequences to doctors. And that's one of the reasons we have this mess that we have right now. Are you are you aware of a writer named Catherine Watt and her substack, bailiwicknews.substack? Very much so. I, in fact, I referenced some of her writings in some of my research that I did back uh, about a year ago now. I'm not surprised you're well aware of her. And that's bailiwicknews.substack, um, essential uh, history information and documentation about the legal edifice that allowed so many horrors over the years, but specifically in the era of COVID. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to ask you or to hear all about this, the status of, the, of your case, if you're at that point in what you wanted I, I to share with me today, Scott. I am. And I have in front of me, I printed this off so that I can read it word for word. So just to give people a perspective, in April, we filed the lawsuit. Uh, then in May, each of the defendants had a responsibility to respond. They all did. We, we received two motions, partial motions to dismiss. 
in May. Those partial motions to dismiss were heard in July. In July, the judge did the unthinkable, which was fantastic. He scheduled a three-week jury trial. So we have the first of its kind three-week jury trial starting November 4th of 2024, the day before the presidential election. He also asked our legal team, or he didn't really ask, judges don't ask, they, they tell you. And he told our legal team to file an amended complaint calling out our battery claim. And so we did that. We filed an amended complaint calling out a common law battery. So just so people understand, lack of informed consent is a battery. That means we're dealing with intent. However, as I just got done explaining with the informed consent statute, they've creatively, they've creatively put lack of informed consent as medical malpractice. So you can't file a battery claim for lack of informed consent. So the judge asked us to pull out our battery claim, which we did. This is so phenomenal, Bruce. If people are following, they'll really connect the dots. By the way, what I'm going to read from is posted on Grace's website so everybody can copy the language on all lawsuits going forward. So when we filed the amended complaint, we also received, uh, no, no surprise, a couple more motions to dismiss. The judge heard those on October 30th. So that's the new information. And we filed what's called a brief in opposition with the court in preparation for that October 30th hearing. And the judge dismissed all of the motions to dismiss and said our entire case gets to go to jury trial, including the common law battery claim. So we pulled out the common law battery claim and that's going to trial. First of its kind in over five decades. So this is a big deal. And what our legal team did, Bruce, I'm going to read just a couple of things here. So the first thing they did in the brief in opposition is laid out the responsibility the judge has. And they wrote, in analyzing the motions, the court should accept all allegations in the plaintiff's amended complaint as true. The complaint is only insufficient if it appears to be a certainty that no relief can be granted under any set of facts which plaintiff could prove. So that's the, the rule of law. The judge has to accept our complaint as fact when he considers motions to dismiss. So most judges want to rule from the bench or they've been bought or they have a gun to their head or some other thing. But this judge chose to follow the rule of law. This doesn't mean he's on our side. It simply means that he has followed the rule of law. So that's a big deal. Then what our team wrote, which this is, this is really phenomenal, they wrote, imagine a physician, and, and this is the key language to separate out a battery claim. Imagine a physician who fails to fully inform a patient about the risks of a leg amputation, but the patient does agree to have his leg amputated. This violates the duty to obtain informed consent under state statute. So that's a, a doctor who doesn't tell the patient the whole truth, but the patient still goes ahead with the surgery and it ends up being a debacle and then they end up having, unfortunately, a medical malpractice case against the doctor. Now they add, now imagine a physician who amputates a patient's leg without obtaining consent or telling the patient or the patient's family what he's doing. So he doesn't tell them anything. He comes in for a hangnail and gets a leg, leg amputated. And in this case, removing the patient's power of attorney and parent from the hospital first. That's me. That is a battery. And that's what they wrote in our brief in opposition. And that language now can be copied by anybody to use for complaints going forward. So this creates, you know, it should create a, a fear amongst the, the hospital doctors and nurses 
and hopefully that fear becomes a God-fearing fear so they do what's right. You know, ultimately it will create a tidal wave assuming that we win with the jury trial. Scott, is your case something of a whale that is uh, attracting similar cases to swim along next to you by any chance or with you? Is that kind of momentum? Are you finding that kind of momentum or, or camaraderie I, I am, or peers? Yeah. A, a number of people have been connecting with me. I was on a a text conversation yesterday with a, for a case in Minnesota. Uh, just before I got in with you, I was on with a couple ladies from California that we have a Zoom call scheduled for Monday. You know, so yes, I mean the people. There's several people who get what I just said, and if they get what I'm talking about, yeah, they're on it because this is a big deal because we have pierced the medical malpractice veil with this brief in opposition. And that's for all 50 states. You know, even though this is a Wisconsin case, this idea right. applies to all 50 states. This is a big deal. S Scott, this applies uh, definitely. Scott Shiraz with me talking about the, the uh, ouramazinggrace.net and his effort to pursue uh, truth and justice for his dear daughter. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. As a meteorologist, I look for common threads in the weather. And common threads are absolutely essential when looking at the climate situation. Because you see, it's not really about climate. Let's take a common thread between Al Gore, Dr. Michael Mann, and our infamous climate ambassador, John Kerry. Al Gore, first of all, his father voted against the civil rights movement. Secondly, Al Gore was a state senator in Tennessee. Guess what's in Tennessee? A state park and a giant monument to the founder of the Ku Klux Klan. How come he didn't see that over there? What about Dr. Michael Mann? saying that climate deniers, and I suppose I'm one of them over there, are a threat to children and grandchildren. Very interesting since he supports policies that have reportedly ended the life of 60 million kids before they came out of the womb, three quarters of them people of color. And then of course, there's John Kerry. That's the man who supposedly threw his medals over the fence at the White House and yet we see him show up at these meetings with all his medals, right? What kind of hypocrisy is that? This is a man who wants us to start in the face of record-breaking food production, somehow or the other, get rid of the agriculture so that we can cut CO2 emissions. You see the common thread between all these people? They're all hypocrites. They all follow the same kind of thing that they do with climates. They're sanctimonious know-nothings, and that's exactly what this is about. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org slash caregiving. You're listening to Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Scott Shirai is with me, nationally recognized expert commentator on the global euthanasia agenda and the dangers of incentivized health care. To recap, your case is going to trial in November of 2024. And this is landmark breakthrough for such a case, right? There's, did you, has, have you found precedents that helped win the argument with the, in front of the judge or, or what? Well, no, we're setting precedent. Actually, I'm going to pull that, what I had read from. I'm going to read one more thing because we need to set precedent here, Bruce. What's going on is the the prior precedent is all putting a bubble around doctors. And our legal team called this out. I mean, it it is so fantastic what they wrote. So I'm going to read one more thing out of this brief in opposition because this is we went on the offensive here. So at at first I read how they called out the rule of law. Then I read the difference between no consent at all, which is a battery versus lack of informed consent, which now is unfortunately medical malpractice. And then we went on the offensive and this is really critical. So this is a precedent setting case because we're calling out what everybody knows, but they're afraid to to talk about. So here's what they wrote. Defendants want this court to rule that a patient with Down syndrome can be intentionally restrained, intentionally deprived of advocacy, and intentionally administered deadly sedatives, all without consent, and these actions are simple negligence. Subsuming battery under medical malpractice in such a way would make hospitals walled gardens where any intentional misconduct would be treated as simple negligence. Indeed, defendants envision a world where there is no common law claim for the failure of a healthcare provider to obtain consent that falls outside of the medical malpractice statutes. In this world, an unethical or financially motivated physician may administer deadly drugs without consent for malign purposes, including making room for new patients. The physician's liability would be limited under the medical malpractice statute, and even that liability is subject to insurance coverage. So you can see we're calling a spade a spade. Everybody knows this. So this is no shock, but we called it out in the document. And this is another piece that I encourage people to copy and paste in their documents going forward. You know, what we, document we, is that? You What document did you just read from, Scott? I read from our brief in opposition, and I have that right on the homepage of Grace's website right. so people can download it and you know use it. I mean, I didn't what, pay all this money for this to have, <laughs> not have people use it, Bruce. And was that part of the la- your last submission that the judge ruled on to let the case go forward? It was. That was the key nice. thing that he, he, you know, when if you do not provide a brief in opposition to a motion to dismiss, he has to accept the motion to dismiss. So we no, provided, no. Right. You know, we had yeah. a couple of months, you know, praise God, we had a couple of months to put that together. And I worked with two, of, we have a four person legal team. Um, and I worked with two of them very specifically to put that document together. And it, they've been so respectful. You know, I'm just a dad, I don't know anything, but I know the case better than anybody. And so they really, you know, they have, they have, uh, it's been quite a team working with them. It's been, it's been uh, quite a blessing, Bruce. Well, speaking of blessings, someone like me who has really studied how the, the corruption of money and power has poisoned 
and really destabilized our country over the last 60 years at the very least, who can be tempted to be a little uh, despairing and, and, and uh, hope, hopeless, it's, it's miraculous that this case is going forward. And, you know, if for 10 or 20 attempts, if the majority in anything fail, as humans try to do anything, it doesn't matter. You know, we go forward and we keep pursuing what we want. So I, I just hope for the best for your health, the health of the judge. Will this same judge be involved in the trial? Yes, yes. Thank, thankfully, I mean it's. Uh, we have a long ways to go before the trial, but yes, we will be keeping the same judge. We're gonna, you know, they may end up changing um, locations, um, but I've been assured that it will still be the same judge. And changing locations, I mean, we'll be crossing that bridge as we get there because our case is so well known. You know, right. how do you get? You know, you, you can get where I'm going with that, but we'll see. I mean, we're in the discovery phase right now. We sent out interrogatories this week. We'll be getting wow. to depositions presumably in February or yeah. March. Um, you know, so we got all these crazy deadlines. I mean, we should go right now, in my opinion, but that isn't how this antichrist legal system works. I do want to say <laughs> one other thing that is is very important here because while while I think it is a miracle that our case is going forward, um, you know, I want people to understand what's really going on. And I have been talking about this for about six months, where I've been telling the everybody that's willing to listen that there's going to be an amnesty play. And the reason is, is because these people can never be held to account in the Antichrist system. And just this morning, I got this. This is very, this is the, you're the first one to hear this, Bruce. So I just received this via text. And this is what I was talking about the, with the two ladies in California. So there's now the Humanity Restoration Pan Panel will oversee, I'm reading this from the text, will oversee the amnesty and leniency program to review accounts of medical professionals who relied on government incentivized treatment protocols to the detriment of their patients. Healthcare providers may uh, uh, seek to avoid criminal prosecution for violations of criminal law in, administer in administering of drugs, vaccines, and gene therapies without the informed consent of human patients by confessing his or her role in such illegal or improper activities, fully cooperating with enforcement agencies and meeting specific conditions. Scott, who? where's that report from? Uh, this came from, it's called Amnesty and Leniency. It was from the uh, COVID Crimes Against Humanity, Humanity Project. I don't have the details yet. I mean, I was starting right. to look at it on the website right, right before I got it with you, but I ran out of time. So I just wanted Do to, you have... this, is, this is huge because this, what, is, yeah. this is exactly how, what Satan does every time. We have What's that? Do, do you have that website in front of you for that source? Can, um, can, I, can I email it to you after we're done here? I'll see if Absolutely. I can find it. Sure. Email yeah. It. No, no, don't don't get distracted from our conversation. But I was just <laughs> curious because we who know the extent of the intentional harm that was inflicted on us with these uh, chemicals called vaccines will not be surprised. When they try to weasel out of responsibility a thousand ways, full spectrum distractions, full spectrum uh, assaults, 
and full spectrum uh, ploys to avoid responsibility for what many are calling the biggest crime against humanity uh, in human history. Um, to talking specifically about the COVID shots, let alone these other horrible agendas and protocols that your dear daughter succumbed to. <clears throat> that's uh, that's right. I mean, when I saw this, I could hardly believe it because I've been I've been warning of this for you know six months. I knew it's going to come because this is their playbook. It's always the same, and yeah. you know people are getting tired. You have a number of people who have lost the breadwinner in the family, and so now they don't have have money, and so you can just see they want to just pay everybody off. And you know what really has is bothersome about paying everybody off is, as I've discovered, which I mean you've known for decades, Bruce, because I know your work. You know they're going to pay it, pay people off with a fiat currency. It's not worth the paper it's printed on, and so then. Uh, yeah, I, I can't take it. It's so frustrating to me. So anyway, you're the first person to hear this. I'm going to be doing a dive into it, of course, and I'll send you the information. Well, I'd be very grateful. And as horrifying as these realities behind the scenes are, you, you, and me, and everyone on TNT, the the whole team, the whole the whole mission to find and tell the truth, in order to restore us more freedom and protect it against a really diabolical uh, attempt to sicken, impoverish, kill off a large number of us and enslave the rest of us. We have to all be adults. We have, I encourage everyone who's a fan of your work or a fan of these kinds of programs to have the courage every single day to do or say something to start a conversation about these realities or spread the word about it because more good things will happen when more of us just know what's really going on and then have some courage to uh, do something about it. Um, what, what are, what are some of the, well, I, I was going to ask like, what are, what's that long road between now and the trial? You, I assume I would bet you're ready for anything. You are like an ice cutter. You're going to stay steady, Eddie, toward the goal of pursuing this to the end of the line. And what's 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 a very very empowering to you uh, motivation lesson or understanding that you've acquired in the years that you've been dealing with this that maybe we haven't touched upon yet in this conversation, Scott? Well, I'll go back to the scripture that that we have been standing on because it also is a scripture that tells you what action that needs to be taken. And that's Genesis 50, 20, which says, what you meant for harm, God meant for good, the saving of many lives, which is happening now. So the saving of many lives has two aspects of it. Of course, the physical aspect. And, you know, when you look at, Bruce, the idea of what can we do, we're usually talking about physical. So the lead attorney has just been fantastic. So at the beginning, when I met him, he said, Scott, we can influence people in three ways. One is legislative. These are in reverse order, by the way. So legislative, of course, is a waste of time, as I already shared, because they're making laws against the Constitution. 
and we can never contract morality. Then second is the legal system. So we're obviously involved with the legal system with this fight, but we're not putting faith in it. The most important thing that we can do is get out and share what we know with our fellow man. So that's mm-hmm. the saving of many lives. And as it applies in the detail yeah. level, Bruce, we have a hospital rescue tab on Grace's main website, ouramazinggrace.net, that talks about the medical directives forms that you need. Uh, in the resource tab, we have, um, it talks about the advocacy responsibility you have. We've got what informed consent mean, means so that you can protect yourself in a hospital situation. And then spiritually, you know, probably the most um, motivational thing that I've learned is the idea that you know, I had a knowledge that Satan existed before this, but now I really understand it. And when you understand what he is capable of, and Jesus said, Satan is the prince of this world. So none of this should surprise us. And what I see very, and and what motivates me to speak out is I want to make sure people don't lose sight of the spiritual situation here. We got here because of rejecting God. We got here by chasing knowledge. The same, the original sin that Eve had, which is chasing knowledge, that is on steroids today. So we got here by rejecting God. The only way out of this is by acknowledging that rejection and repentance. So when you hear all kinds of movements and they've got every solution known to mankind, none of these things are real solutions. The only solution you have to go back to understanding God's, as Grace would say, Bruce, God's got this, Dad. Well, (laughs) that ought to be embroidered and hung on the wall, and maybe it is for all I know. And also... My One of my huge takeaways from our talk today, Scott, is the miracle of this judge. And here's the lesson. We do well to think and remember we are all individuals. And that's empowering in two huge ways. Everyone's contribution to talk about the truth or to have awkward conversations by asking questions among our peers, our family, our co-workers, spreads the word. And we have to, we can't say all judges are corrupt. We can't say all doctors and nurses are, are in this agenda because there's no hope in that. And the reality is the more of us talking about what we want, love, fairness, truth, justice, influences all the doctors and nurses who hear this message when they're surround, when they hear it 10, 20, 50 times, more of them can turn to work for what's right and what's good and what's true. And it takes all of us to so influence and improve the quality of our lives and those we, we care about. We've got just a, we've got about a minute or so left. What what would you reiterate, Scott Shira of our amazinggrace.net? What would you, uh, what are your final thoughts? Well, first, very well said, Bruce. You have a gift at wrapping things up and putting a bow on it. So thank you for that. We we are expecting some calls to action as Grace's case proceeds. And we set up a separate website just for that. My daughter, Jessica, is running that website. It's gracechara.com. It's S-C-H-A-R-A. And we're simply asking to put in your name and email address in that website so we can send out calls to action as we people will 
people. Well, Scott Sherrod, thank you very much for joining me on the awesome TNT Radio.